Hello, hello, and welcome back to There I Read It, where I'm going over Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 9. If somehow you're new here, this is my first time ever reading the Harry Potter series, so even things I kind of know from the movie I don't really know or remember anymore. And this chapter is all about the fallout of Harry, Hermione, and Ron finding Mrs. Norris all stiff and having most of the school think that Harry was somehow responsible, and a brief overview of what the Chamber of Secrets actually is. So halfway through the book and we're just now hearing for the first time what the chamber is supposed to be. But to get into my notes, this chapter starts immediately after the last chapter ends. So Filch comes out and sees Mrs. Norris hanging there and he just threatens to kill Harry right off the bat. Then some of the professors appear and Dumbledore takes everyone to Lockhart's office and there's pictures of Lockhart all over the wall and a lot of them seem to be running from view because they have of hair nets and curlers in, which I mean, why? I have been under the impression that these magical photos are just like a little video clip that's maybe four or five seconds long. So instead of taking a snapshot that's a still, you get a snapshot that sort of records a few seconds. But for some reason, Lockhart's photos are acting like the Hogwarts paintings where they have personalities and they take off and do other things. And that doesn't make any sense to me. So um, I'm not sure if there's a reason that Lockhart's photos are behaving abnormally to the other photos we've seen, but it, it is curious. And Filch, poor, poor, poor Filch, he is just sobbing hysterically because his poor cat, the only thing he cares about in the whole universe, probably the only thing that cares about him, is believed to be dead at this moment in time. And Harry, well, I'm, I'm just going to read the actual quote the way that it was written. Bottom of page 141, if you're in the original paperbacks. Harry couldn't help feeling a bit sorry for him, though not nearly as sorry as he felt for himself. And this is another example of a moment where I really don't like Harry and I don't really see a good personality blooming within him. I mean, you can blame the Dursleys or whoever you want. At the end of the day, Harry is responsible for Harry's behaviors and he he's not a nice guy. He's not a thoughtful guy and he doesn't really seem to care about anybody past his own needs. So to see somebody like Filch, who granted it's not somebody that Harry loves or adores, but to see somebody who is this broken, embarrassed, ashamed man just sobbing his eyes out because his cat's hurt and the description says Harry felt bad, a little tiny bit bad, but he felt worse for himself. I mean, what a selfish, childish way to behave. It's, it's kind of gross. I mean, I see so many people that put Harry on this huge pedestal that he's just the greatest guy and the best role model. And I've not seen one example of that so far in a book and a half at this point. Harry is petty and selfish and miserly and, and just all these qualities that I don't find likable. But as luck would have it, Mrs. Norris is just petrified. She's not dead. And even though Filch still wants to blame Harry, Dumbledore quickly stops him and says, no, it had to be a really advanced dark magic that did this. And it turns out to unpetrify Mrs. Norris, they are gonna need Professor Sprout to make a 
cure out of her mandrakes. And to make a mandrake potion that can cure petrification, it apparently can't be done until the mandrakes are full size. So since the mandrakes are just babies as of a few chapters ago, I'm taking that to mean it's going to take a while for Mrs. Norris to be healed. But not to be deterred from finding someone to blame, Filch demands punishments because he thinks he's being attacked for being a squib. And it turns out that a squib is someone born to a wizarding family who has no powers. And that, in fact, is quite unusual. I don't know if it would be more or less unusual than muggles having a wizard or witch baby, but uh, it, it's, it's not mentioned. But these poor squibs seem to get all the recessive genes and uh, thereby not be able to have any magical powers. Which just makes Filch all the more sad and depressing of a character, if you ask me. And Ron even says that Filch being a squib would explain a lot because he'd be bitter about the other students and that's why he's so mean to the kids is because he's not a wizard. But honestly, every time we turn around, wizards are total dicks. So maybe Filch doesn't have so much of a bitter jealousy as he has a problem with how elitist and nasty wizards are. Not to mention they're flat out dirty filthy pigs. And it is mentioned that Filch is trying to get rid of the writing on the wall, the you know the Chamber of Secrets has been open thing, by using Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess eraser. And that does make me curious, why does a product like that even need to exist? Can't wizards just flip their wands and you know make whatever disappear. Maybe it's designed for the people who are squibs or not magical enough to get into Hogwarts or something that they don't know the spells? But it, it's still uh, something that's odd enough. I, I wish we would have gotten more explanation for why we need a product that is an all-purpose magical mess eraser. But the erasing product does not work at all and Ginny is very very fond of cats so she is extremely upset about Mrs. Norris and she really believes that Ron did it or had something to do with it and he's gonna get expelled over it. Although sadly ever since we got to Hogwarts Every time we hear about Jenny, it's always in passing from another person. I would like Jenny to get into the story. I would like to have some more girls come to the forefront. And I don't know when that's going to happen, but I'm, I'm hoping that happens in this book or the next book or sometime soon because I, it's a total sausage fest for the most part. We have Hermione and we have McGarnagle, and then if you want to stretch it, there's Petunia Dursley out there in the world, but otherwise it's all dudes. I want to balance those scales some more and hear more about the witches. I'd even be happy if we got Madame Pomfrey or Professor Sprout or somebody else like that more in the forefront. But other than McGarnagle, none of the teachers that are prominently featured in the books are female. Anyways, moving along, it's mentioned that Ron has to write a three foot long paper for Professor Benz, and I thought that that was a curious way to describe it. Obviously, most of us in the real world would go by a page count, but here at Hogwarts they use scrolls, so they tell them you have to write this many feet. So a three foot long paper, that would be roughly three pages, maybe a tiny bit more if you're not counting, you know, margins, because a standard printer size paper is eight and a half by eleven. And it is noticed that Hermione just will not get out of the library and won't stop reading. And on his way to the library, Harry sees Justin Finch Fletchery, that Hufflepuff from the uh, Herbology class, 
and Justin turns on his heels and basically runs away from Harry all but screaming. Then Harry meets up with Ron, who is eight inches short on his paper for Professor Benz. You make all the inappropriate jokes you want. I know it's a children's book, but you know what? If you're going to hand us something that horribly funny to say, I'm going to take the cheap shot because I'm, I'm really a five-year-old on the inside. But Hermione's extremely flustered because she can't get a copy of Hogwarts A History, which everybody has flocked to check out. It's a two-week wait to get one, and Hermione had one, but she had to leave it at home because Lockhart wanted her to bring so many books for his classes. And everybody's after this book because it will supposedly cover the Chamber of Secrets, so in her frustration, Hermione kind of hijacks Professor Ben's class and shifts the conversation to get him to tell them about the Chamber of Secrets, which Professor Ben's does not want to do because he considers it a myth. That's totally false. But in his little tangent, Professor Ben's reveals that Hogwarts was founded a thousand years ago, but the exact date is unknown. The founders, which I'm not sure if they came up in the last book or not, they were Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. And those four wizards made that castle to be free from muggle persecution and to find kids with magical abilities to train them properly. And for a while things were fine, but then Slytherin wanted to be selective about what students could come to Hogwarts. He didn't want anybody with the dirty bloodline. He only wanted pure wizards from pure wizard families. And that disagreement of principles between Slytherin and everybody else got so bad that he left Hogwarts. But Slytherin left behind a chamber for his heir that only the heir could ever find or unseal. And that chamber supposedly holds a monster that only the heir can control, and that monster would purge the school of the unworthy, which were, you know, the muggle-born wizards and the squibs and all that. Apparently, Slytherin found people who were not fully magical, like people who were born of muggles or who had one muggle parent. He felt like they were untrustworthy. And that makes me want to say, oh, what a bad guy. But if you're thinking of a thousand years ago when they're burning people at the stakes, you know, lighting up the pyres and such for witchcraft, then maybe there's an argument that could be had in Slytherin's favor. But I don't know. It's hard to know without the full context of what was going on in this universe during the Dark Ages. And just because these kids are kind of stupid and don't seem to learn, Ron, Harry, and Hermione go back to the scene of the great crime where Mrs. Norris was found petrified and the writing's still on the wall, and they decide that they're gonna search around for more clues because they're the only people with a brain in all of Hogwarts. I know the end of the first book said that most wizards don't or can't use any logic, but it just seems a little bit ridiculous, especially since so many of the students were kind of heckling Professor Benz because the kids were like, well, of course people couldn't find the chamber, if it's for the Slytherin heir and only a Slytherin can find it. Or, you know, you wouldn't be able to find the chamber to unseal it unless you were the specific heir. You know, they were trying to poke holes in Professor Ben's insistence that the chamber is not real. But that also seems a little bit too smart compared to how wizards have been described to us in these other situations. So it's a bit of a gap there. 
Anyway, searching around the area where the whole little crime scene happened, Harry finds scorch marks near the writing on the wall, and Hermione notices that spiders are actually leaving the castle. Like, they're trying to get out in big clumps and clusters to run. Which I feel, you know, obviously these are more clues to what's to come. Just like the water was, which is, again, briefly mentioned, and even though it's cleaned up now, they figure out that the water had to have come out of the girls' bathroom. But, lo and behold, it is Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and she is not too keen on seeing boys in her washroom. And while Ron, Harry, and Hermione are in the girls' bathroom, Percy walks by and he just freaks out. They describe Percy getting mad as being very similar to how Molly gets mad. It, it was it is adorable. And Percy's just like, do you have any idea what this is going to look like if people see you here not eating but up here by the crime scene? And he reveals that Jenny thinks Ron actually did hurt the cat and, and Percy gets so frustrated he goes, you know, minus five points from Gryffindor. And Ron and Percy get into a little brotherly back and forth, but Percy inevitably walks off and, you know, the other three are just like, well, guess we're gonna avoid talking to Percy now. Then the kids are in the common room later and Ron and Harry think that Malfoy is the Slytherin heir. And Hermione doesn't think she believes that that's accurate. However, she is willing to try and make a polyjuice potion, which will apparently disguise Ron, Harry, and Hermione to look like three kids from the Slytherin house. And so that way they can go and ask Malfoy some questions directly. The only hiccup is the book to make polyjuice potion is in the restricted section of the library. So it's not going to be an easy book to get because they have to find a professor, preferably Snape, to sign a note saying, you know, this student can check out this specific book. And Hermione thinks that she has a little con to get a hold of that book, but uh, we'll see. I assume they're going to have to get a hold of that or something similar or else the story is not going to be able to advance and clear Malfoy's name. Again, I don't know for sure that he's innocent because I've never read this book before, but I, I just don't see him as some big hulking bad. He's just a kid trying to get approval from his parents, so even though he's kind of a jerk and he's saying things that are really nasty or inappropriate, I don't think he's truly evil. I think he's just trying to figure out his place in society based on what his parents have shown him. Although it was interesting to learn in this chapter that Salazar Slytherin is the one who started this whole pure-blooded thing. And I think that kind of explains why the Slytherin house is so, you know, yucky. They've got such a bad vibe about them and they're always laughing at mean things and they always seem so elitist and snooty. And that's because Salazar Slytherin was elitist and snooty so I guess the sorting hat is like I know who would be your BFF if he were still around. Anyways though I will end this here. Thank you all for watching. Remember to subscribe. I have got all the different episodes now up through chapter 9 with more to come. And if you know somebody who might enjoy listening to me go on about these Harry Potter chapters please do share. I could always use help spreading the word about There I Read It. We're in YouTube format and podcast format so I should be easy-ish to find. But once again, thank you all for watching and we'll see you next time, family members. 
Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self. And I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page and my most current PO Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.